Section 17 of The Cloister and the Hearth. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The Cloister and the Hearth by Charles Reed. Chapter 17. Jorian Cattell went straight to Margaret's room and there to his infinite surprise he found the man he had been in search of pale and motionless his head in margaret's lap and she kneeling over him mute now and stricken to stone her eyes were dilated yet glazed and she neither saw the light nor heard the man nor cared for anything on earth but the white face in her lap jorian stood awestruck the candle shaking in his hand why where was he then all the time margaret heeded him not jorian went to the empty chest and inspected it he began to comprehend the girl's dumb and frozen despair moved him this is a sorry sight said he it is a black night's work all for a few skins better have gone with us than so she is past answering me poor wretch stop let us try whether he took down a little round mirror no bigger than his hand and put it to gerard's mouth and nostrils and held it there when he withdrew it it was dull there is life in him said jorian cattell to himself margaret caught the words instantly though only muttered and it was if a statue should start into life and passion she rose and flung her arms round jurian's neck oh bless the tongue that tells me so and she clasped the great rough fellow again and again eagerly almost fiercely there there let us lay him warm said jurian and in a moment he raised gerard and laid him on the bedclothes then he took out a flask he carried and filled his hand twice with chidemsey and flung it sharply each time in gerard's face the pungent liquor cooperated with his recovery he gave a faint sigh oh never was sound so joyful to human ear she flew towards him but then stopped quivering for fear she should hurt him she had lost all confidence in herself that is right let him alone said jorian don't go cuddling him as you did me or you'll drive his breath back out again let him alone he is sure to come too tisn't like as if he was an old man gerard sighed deeply and a faint streak of colour stole to his lips jorian made for the door he had hardly reached it when he found his legs seized from behind it was margaret she curled round his knees like a serpent and kissed his hand and fawned on him you won't tell you've saved his life you have not the heart to thrust him back into his grave to undo your own good work no no it is not the first time i have done you two a good turn twas i told you in the church whither we had to take him besides what is dirick brower to me i'll see him hanged ere i tell him 
but i wish you'd tell me where the parchments are there are a hundred crowns offered for them that would be a good windfall for my joan and the children you know ah they shall have those hundred crowns what are the things in the house asked jorian eagerly no but i know where they are and by god and st bavin i swear you shall have them to-morrow come to me for them when you will but come alone i were made else what share the hundred crowns with dick brower and now may my bones rot in my skin if i let a soul know the poor boy is here he then ran off lest by staying longer he should excite suspicion and have them all after him and margaret knelt quivering from head to foot and prayed beside gerard and for gerard what is to do replied jurian to derrick brower's query why we have scared the girl out of her wits she was in a kind of fit we had better all go and doctor her then oh yes and frighten her into the churchyard her father is a doctor and i have roused him and set him to bring her round let us see the fire will ye his off-hand way disarmed all suspicion and soon after the party agreed that the kitchen of the three kings was much warmer than peter's house and they departed having first untied martin take note mate that i was right and the burgomaster's wrong said dirick brower at the door i said we should be too late to catch him and we were too late thus gerard in one terrible night grazed the prison and the grave and how did he get clear at last not by his cunningly contrived hiding-place nor by margaret's ready wit but by a good impulse in one of his captors by the bit of humanity left in a somewhat reckless fellow's heart aided by his desire of gain so mixed and seemingly incongruous are human motives so short-sighted are shrewdest counsels they whose moderate natures or gentle fates keep them in life's passage from the fierce extremes of joy and anguish of nature is capable of are perhaps the best and certainly the happiest of mankind but to such readers i should try in vain to convey what bliss unspeakable settled now upon these persecuted lovers even to those who have joyed greatly and greatly suffered my feeble art can present but a pale reflection of margaret's and gerard's ecstasy to sit and see a beloved face come back from the grave to the world to health and beauty by swift gradations to see the roses return to the loved cheek love's glance to the loved eye and his words to the loved mouth this was margaret's a joy to balance years of sorrow it was gerard's to awake from a trance and find his head pillowed on margaret's arm to hear the woman he adored murmur new words of eloquent love and shower tears and tender kisses and caresses on him he never knew till this sweet moment how ardently how tenderly she loved him he thanked his enemies they wreathed their arms sweetly round each other and trouble and danger seemed a world and age behind them they called each other husband and wife 
were they not solemnly betrothed and had they not stood before the altar together was not the blessing of holy church upon their union her curse on all who would part them but as no woman's nerves can bear with impunity so terrible a strain presently margaret turned faint and sank on gerard's shoulder smiling feebly but quite quite unstrung then gerard was anxious and would seek assistance but she held him with a gentle grasp and implored him not to leave her for a moment while i can lay my hand on you i feel you are safe not else foolish gerard nothing ails me i am weak dearest but happy oh so happy then it was gerard's turn to support that dear head with its great waves of hair flowing loose over him and nurse her and soothe her quivering on his bosom with soft encouraging words and murmurs of love and gentle caresses sweetest of all her charms is a woman's weakness to a manly heart poor things they were happy to-morrow they must part but that was nothing to them now they had seen death and all other troubles seemed light as air while there is life there is hope while there is hope there is joy separation for a year or two what was it to them who were so young and had caught a glimpse of the grave the future was bright the present was heaven so passed the blissful hours alas their innocence ran other risks besides the prison and the grave they were in most danger from their own hearts and their inexperience now that visible danger there was none end of chapter seventeen recording by john brandon